what we have been given. Father, I pray that you would walk among us, that your son would walk among us and your spirit would fill us. And I pray that you would bind the enemy that would distract us, that would lie to us, that would transpose a lens of truth with one of corruption and and distraction and I pray Lord that you would draw us so close to you and you would speak into our ears and our hearts and our souls and our spirits the truth that you proclaim and that you are and I pray this in the name of your amazing son Jesus amen <clears throat> say what I know I don't get one today that's all right you know me Make a way where there's no way. <clears throat> Excuse me. You guys doing all right? Some of you are doing great. <laughs> this is your first Sunday with us at Ordinary Faith. Thanks for coming. I hope it's not too weird, but just weird enough. That's what I'm going for. We're, we try to balance our weird. Uh, if you're tuning in online, don't forget to check in. Let us know that you're there. And thank you for tuning in. We have a lot of folks that tune in pretty regularly online, and we appreciate you as well. Uh, we're leaping into a new uh, series today. A leaping is pretty a bit of an exaggeration. I don't leap anymore. I, I'm more like shuffle. But anyway, we're going to shuffle into a new series. Um, and it's called Freedom. Uh, it's Even though I have a very patriotic-looking background on my slides, uh, it's not intended to be... Uh, political in nature. However, I'm sure I will stir up some things just because it's who I am and what I do. And so I will try to be good. But I, I believe this, this series is very important, and I believe the enemy's actually been fighting it. And sometimes I become aware of how much the enemy fights things. And today it has become very clear that he does not want you to know the truth. He doesn't want me to know the truth about something you already possess and have, which is freedom. I think there are reasons that we feel oppressed, enslaved, sidelined, unheard, whatever it is. I believe that there are reasons that we feel um, as though we are not free and we don't know how to live in freedom in, in a lot of situations in our life. But the reality is, is that we've been given freedom in Christ. We're going to look at several scriptures to that end. And we need to learn to live in that freedom, but we have enemies trying to keep us from that, that want to make sure that we never walk in that freedom. The Bible says in Galatians 5.1 out of the NIV, it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. So I want you to know something from the get-go. God loves freedom. God loves His people to be free. God wants you to live in and experience, breathe and be free. That's what God wants. That's the heart of the Father. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Galatians talks about several yokes of slavery within the book. So anything that would try and bind you, hold you back, restrain you, that's not the heart of the Father. The Bible also says this by the hand of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By His divine power, God's divine power, God has given us Everything. Say everything. everything. Everything we need. God has given. That's past tense according to my grammar teacher in eighth grade. All right. Has given in the past, has given you everything you need for living a godly life. 
We have received, also past tense if I'm reading that correctly. We have received all of this. All of this. Say all of this. By coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his glorious, his marvelous glory and excellent. You don't need anything else. I know that doesn't sit right. Michael, I need stuff. God says you have everything you need. God just moves, Peter, through Peter's words, God just moved all your needs from a place of lack to a place of abundance. From a place of I don't have to a place of I'm waiting for. And so we need to realize that, yes, we need miracles. We need power. We need blessings. We need all those type of things. But they come to us not from a place of, oh, I'm waiting on God to give me something. I'm trying to get to the right place so I can get it. We, we come at it from a place of authority, releasing, receiving, and sharing. If we could get that idea through our heads that we already have everything we need, it would change our lives. It would change the way we approach our entire existence. It would change the way that we view our current circumstances. So we have to learn, and that's that's what this series is about in regard to freedom specifically, but we have to learn to live as people who are free. Let's Let's say that everyone in this room right now won... A billion dollars. A billion. I know that's not much anymore, but still. That's that's about 85% of what it was last year. But anyway, so uh, a billion dollars, all right? Um, Now, after you initially went nuts, yes, admit it, you would go nuts for a minute. Yes, you would. Why is there a yacht in your front yard? You don't even have a a pool. (laughs) I always wanted one. <laughs> After you initially went nuts, if you are a sane person, well, it's just debatable. You would have to be, if you were a responsible person, you would have to become someone who could be wealthy. Having wealth and being someone who can handle wealth are different things. And if you don't learn to be someone who can be wealthy, then within some period of time, you will no longer be a billionaire. You'll be a billion dollars in debt. You'll go, that's what happens with most people who win these lotteries and so forth. They go from having a lot of money to owing a lot of money pretty quickly. Why? Because it takes a mindset. It takes a way of living. It takes a set of behaviors and responsibilities in order to be able to handle wealth. It is the same in the kingdom. God has given you everything. Most of us live like beggars. Most of our prayers sound like beggars, not sons and daughters. And so we have to learn how to live in the wealth of the kingdom. Part of that wealth is freedom. You are free. It's for freedom you've been set free. Now, I'll touch on the political side just for a second, because all of you are going to worry about my politics as I talk about freedom. So I will set your mind at ease. I'm mad at everyone. (laughs) Mad at all. Red, blue, mad at all of them, all right? They've all betrayed me and my humble and yet most accurate opinion. Just kidding. And that's it. That's all I want to say about that, okay? The reality is this. I live in a world, a country, a city, uh, uh, even an HOA that has more rules than God has. More laws. And people, you know, do I like anarchy? I don't know. I've never tried it. I, get, I figure we'll all get there sooner or later. But nonetheless, there's, 
my politics showing again. Uh, <clears throat> but I believe that I, I like God's rules. I like love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I like that. That's pretty simple. Seems like it makes sense to me. I even like the Ten Commandments. I mean, I'm, I mean that, that doesn't seem overboard. In fact, I would take the 613 laws of the Torah over what we have today. There are more laws that govern my trip to Cheyenne than are in the first five books of the Bible. Okay? And so, I, <laughs> I'm seeing, people are out there nodding. I'm going, we should have coffee later. We should really rant. <laughs> that being said, let me get my rant over with and get back into the truth of it. I believe that, as, I believe that God means for us to be free in Christ. And I believe you can be free in Christ and it doesn't matter what your political reality is. It doesn't matter what your government reality is. It doesn't matter what your financial reality is, your marital reality, your relationship reality. All of those circumstances can eventually bow to the reality of the freedom that you possess in Jesus Christ. That I do believe. Does that make sense? Yes. It's a hope, if it's, if, even if it doesn't make sense. But the, you have enemies. And this, my friend, is what... The Christian church today, the Christendom totally must wrap its head around. You have enemies that want to make sure that you never live in freedom. They make sure that you never understand who you really are. You don't realize the threat you are to incredibly powerful beings. And it doesn't even make sense to think that we could be powerful and that we could be a threat to something that's actually very dangerous. But we are under this assault to keep us locked down so they always feel bound, always feel limited, always feel powerless to change anything, much less our lives. And if that's the reality you're living right now, a reality that feels oppressed, that feels bound, that feels limited, that is not God's heart for you. God's heart for you is freedom, power, exceptional, abounding life. So we're going to go after these tyrants for a minute, okay? Uh, I will see if I get in trouble or not. My email, I'll give you my email. You can rant at me later or something like that. If it's, well, we'll see what happens. There are people that, there are forces that want to take away your freedom. Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Galatians 4, 5. Bear with me, I want, to, I want to set some scriptural context and basis for what I'm about to say. God sent Jesus, it's referring to Jesus in Galatians 4, 5, to buy freedom for us. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So there's a reality these verses present. Let me come back and I'll explain that in just a minute. Zechariah 3.1. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Jeshua. I just want you to see the accuser. Because he comes back in Revelation 12.10. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. What am I telling you about? We need to discuss some eternal realities. For you younger folks, we're going to climb into the metaverse. Does that sound cool? I do believe in the metaverse. The Bible calls it eternity. And so I, that's what I believe that string theory and quantum science are discovering is that there's an eternal realm. 
But in that realm, there are some realities. Uh, depending on how you've been taught, you have the earth, you have something that in some translations is called the second heaven, and you have something that's called the third heaven. So let me try and capture what's going on in these eternal realities just for a minute. This will help you understand what's going on in your life. I promise eventually we'll get there, okay? There's a reality in play. The first part of this is we find out that um, Adam, Adam <clears throat> sinned. And when he sinned, some dynamics went into play. Now, why this matters is because of the psalmist writes in Psalms 8-6 that God gave man charge of everything God made, putting all things under their authority. So you have this thing you could see, taste, touch, feel, this thing called, we call the earth, the planet, the universe, the things that can be perceived with your natural senses, the earth. And God gave Adam, mankind, authority over that dominion, over that reality, what you can see, taste, touch, feel with your hand, what you can comprehend with your body. God gave man dominion over the animals and the dirt they stand on. But there's another reality. Because Adam sinned, he handed the keys to that reality over to someone else. Basically, what he did was when he rejected the authority of God, he moved under the authority of someone else. And that authority is presented in Ephesians 2.2. Paul writes, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. That's an insulting verse, I'm here to tell you. But obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Adam and Eve submitted their dominion. Underneath the authority of darkness. This is a reality that happened. Then, we see that authority, by the way, one more time I want to present what Jesus said in John 14. Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. And so I want you to see that there's an earthly reality, but then there's another reality over that that isn't perceived by sight and your senses. And that reality has an authority over your reality. However, that's not the end of the story. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses us all with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. One more, Colossians 3.1, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So let me simplify this as the best I can. Capture this. You and I, we are Adam, we are mankind, and we rule over the animals and the dirt we stand on. Because of Adam's sin, he submitted mankind to the authority of darkness. And so you have a second, something that could be referred to as a second heaven, but basically you have a realm that rules over the earthly realm. The prince of the power of the air, the principalities, Satan and his demons, they rule over us and the animals and the dirt we stand on. But then above that, there's something that Paul referred to as the third heaven. It's another layer of authority. And that's where the Father reigns from. That's mission control. That's where Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And shocker, inside of Jesus Christ, wrapped up in the reality of all that is Jesus, is you and me. Placed there by the Father. I, uh, I, like, I like movies. <laughs> uh, I, I like funny movies. I like movies with high body counts, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> has nothing to do with you. It's all about me. Um, but 
my, we have a family movie in our, our house that we love to watch and have for years, and please don't judge us by this movie, but still, it's major pain. <laughs> There's a scene in it. By the way, if any young women are trying to, d- to date or marry one of our young men, they, this is the rite of passage. If they don't like major pain, they're out. <laughs> so, <clears throat> just, just, just so you know. <clears throat> but anyway, we make them all watch it. But there's a scene in the film I want to refer to. In the film, Major Payne, who's this big, awesome Marine. You know, of course, I grew up in a Marine family, so I have a, you know, an affinity toward Marines. And so, so he, uh, there's a young boy that's staying in, in the dorm house that, the Marine, that this Major Payne is over. And he thinks he hears the boogeyman. And so he comes and gets Major Payne. And in this scene, Major Payne, because he's irritated with someone else, <coughs> he's uh, intense. He runs upstairs and he goes, says, where's the boogeyman? The boy says he's in the closet. And he pulls out his gun and he fires about five or six rounds into the closet. Very safe movie. Yes, excellent idea. <coughs> so the person he was arguing comes in and she's already been arguing with him about his care of the children. And uh, she asks what's happened. The little boy says, Major Payne just terminated the boogeyman with extreme prejudice. And he ain't happy. That's the reality of our world right now because the father has done something that the enemy is very unhappy about. Because what happened was the enemy tricked and uh, deceived Adam and Eve and he ended up with authority over them. And so God comes in with his Jesus move. And in, in the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus and in sending the Holy Spirit, what God has done is he has taken everything that went wrong with Adam, everything that Adam lost, everything that was corrupted because of Adam's sin. God has taken all that, redeemed it, recreated it, and rebirthed it into something the world has never seen. And that is mankind filled with God. He's taken man, to follow this another way, he's taken man from under the authority of Satan. And and because of the redemption of Christ, he's moved him into Christ and put him over the authority of Satan. It's true. And the devil ain't happy. He is not liking this. And the last thing he wants you to know is that you have authority over him. That is the last thing he wants you to understand. Because the day you realize that you have authority in your life and you realize the power of authority, and you realize that to have authority, you don't have to be powerful in yourself. Authority is power, and it comes from Jesus. He has all authority. And you go back to the Great Commission, and you hear Jesus say, all authority has been given to me, therefore you. Go and tell the world, baptize them, teach them. And what's he saying? I have all authority. I'm living in you. You have my authority. If I'm under Christ, I'm over my enemies. That's the reality that's in place today. So the enemy is not happy with you. He's trying to take that away from you. And how he does that is Satan is, if you're an attorney, this is meant as no offense, but Satan is the prosecuting attorney. He is the beginning of the idea of prosecuting attorney. And so his life now is to try and keep you uh, bound, limited, restricted, oppressed, broken, blind, whatever he can do, because he never wants you to realize that you have power over him. And so he, how he works in your life is he's always accusing you. He's always bringing up your past. 
He's always reminding you of all your failures and all your weaknesses. And, and here's the thing. This is something that, that people really... I don't know how to get this message out. I'm not even sure how to share it sometimes. But the reality is this. Until someone has submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, they remain under the law of the Old Covenant. The Old Testament stands as is. And people are not out from underneath the Old Covenant just because Jesus died on the cross. They have to surrender to Jesus as their Lord and be under His authority to be free from the Old Covenant. What does that mean? It's true. You, this isn't, by the way, okay, one aside. The world is under the law. Yes. It is under the law. The only way to escape the law is through Jesus. Yep. Okay? So, <clears throat> but the enemy knows the law. Yep. He not only knows the law, he knows how to help you make new laws and then prosecute you for your own laws. Yeah, that's right. He will make you, he will help you make rules for your life. Then he knows what happens as soon as a human being that's under the corruption of sin sees a new law, then they must break that law. Do you have children? Do you, have you seen this at play? I mean, it begins really young. You know, you, you think you bring home that baby. Oh, they're so sweet. They're so innocent. They're manipulators from day one. They know how to get what they want. But that's just a picture of human nature. Like, my baby's not a manipulator. Call me in six months. Let's see if you still feel that way. All right, so the enemy uses all these things. He brings these laws against us to keep us bound, to keep us accused. And not just laws. He, he can use agreements you've made with people, not just your failures, but the things you've done wrong. I mean, the, the old covenant talks about sins that impact the fourth generation, some things that impact the tenth generation those laws still stand the enemy's always bringing them back he want he, he he has to stop your freedom or you will stop him he has to stop your freedom or you will stop him so you have an enemy who's trying to limit your freedom but that it's not just him that's the enemy that exists in the second heaven, the prince of the power of the air, him and all his minions. There are also the realities that not only is the enemy afraid of your freedom, other people are afraid of your freedom too. Other people are afraid of your freedom too. Um, I'm being really good right now. I want to make a comment about chickens, but I'm letting it go. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> John 5, 9... <laughs> Oh, instantly, the man was healed. I've been watching this series, The Chosen. Uh, Becky Constantino gave us a couple C, uh, DVDs for Christmas. and uh, I'm a pastor. I get all kinds of Jesus stuff, and so sometimes I don't get to it right away. This one's worth getting. The Chosen's amazing. And so uh, it's been interesting to see uh, the, the creative license, I guess, that presents Jesus coming in contact with and contrast against religion in the series. It's been, been very helpful, very interesting. So John 5, 9 through 10, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. 
And so the Jewish leaders objected. I mean, yes, if you can't heal people <laughs> and someone else can, you've got to find some way to discredit them. And so that's what was going on. So here's the thing. Religion doesn't really have room for your freedom. Religion doesn't really have... Religion is about rules and laws. Wherever you see an abundance of rules and laws, I promise you sin is at the door. People use religion and laws to get around righteousness, not to perform it. And so religion is that way. Religion has a problem with, with you being free. In fact, religion has more rules for you to keep you in check and to control you. Here's the problem with rules. As soon as human nature sees the rule, we have a conflict. As soon as there's something I can't do, that's what I want to do. And so this is how the flesh works. Romans 7, Paul deals with that in great detail, his own frustration with that reality. Religion may seem logical. Well, people have to obey certain rules, but in the end it's always self-defeating because the more rules you make, the more policies you implement, sooner or later you get to a point where you cannot do what is right. Have you ever been stopped by a rule? Have you ever been stopped from doing the right thing by a law or a rule or a policy? That's where legalism always goes. I mean, seriously, if that man at the gate beautiful, if it had been up to the Pharisees, he would have never have been healed. He would have never been set free because it was more important for them that he be controlled than that he be free. So religion is not for your freedom. It's, it's uh, for your frustration. It creates a cycle that cannot be broken. It just continues to propagate itself. So religion's not, not good with your freedom. But then there are people that aren't good with your freedom either. Uh, James 4.2. You want what you don't have. I love James. He's like straight to the point. If, you guys, if anyone in this room like loves it to be really blunt, just read the book of James. He, just, he, he drives the nail straight in and then twists it a few times. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Obviously, he's kind of being soft with his words here. Just kidding. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So you see there's this dynamic that James is addressing, that there are people in your life that are insecure, uncomfortable with your freedom, and they're afraid of your freedom, so they want and need to control or stop you. So you have these, these, these supernatural, these eternal enemies that want to make sure you never know you're free. You have religion that wants to make sure that you're under control and you're not making them nervous. Or making them look bad. But then you also have other people that are just scared of you being free. And I don't want to be one of those people, by the way. Do you want to be one of those people? It's for freedom you've been set free. I think God can do more through freedom than he can through rules and laws. I think that's why he sent Jesus. To change things so that small people with a little power (laughs) can't restrict the power of God in a person. Okay, so, you have these enemies that are against you. You have people that are afraid of you. Now, what am I suggesting? Am I suggesting a society without rules? Oh, man, there's an argument that actually could be made for that. There's an argument for anarchy, but uh, that's, not, that's not the argument I'm here to make today. My argument's this. I think, God's, I think God keeps it really simple. We live in a world that thinks God is the one that's destroying their fun. 
God's the one with all the rules. And that's bad press. That's not true. God is for our freedom. God is for our life. God is for us to live in love and with love, which would change the world, which would bring peace, which would restore and which would redeem. That's what God is for. So I would say, hey, man, I think the answer for society, the answer for our church, the answer for our community, the answer for your home is to love God, love each other as you love yourself. Is, is to begin to, to have the freedom to love people. Not the freedom to destroy your own life. Not the freedom to tear your own family apart. Not the freedom to blow up your community. The freedom to do what is right. What blesses. What gives. What builds. What encourages. And so I believe that even though there are those that are afraid of those things, even though rules have may, they have a, I guess they have a place in an immoral society with no character, sadly, I think the real answer is a return to our Father God, is a surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, Michael, our whole society, they're not going to do that. I, 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 it's not that I don't care about them, I do, it's just... It begins with us. It begins if the law of love rules our house. It begins if we realize as sons and daughters of the Most High King that, that we have authority to break off what the enemy's doing in our house, at our workplace, in our city. And we, we realize that we have enemies that want to make sure we never realize that. That should tick us off. It should make us a little bit angry that there's an enemy trying to rob us of our power, our authority, and our influence in our home, our city, our community. And so we have a, we have a, we have a legal problem. Isn't it great to have a legal problem? Any of you guys ever walked the halls of justice? You probably know how that goes. <clears throat> I did tell you about that 15 minutes I spent in jail that one time, right? That was all I needed. That was all. I, when the toilet and the sink are the same appliance, I'm like, this is not the life for me. Anyway, so. <clears throat> fixture, I guess. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you'll not sin. The Bible's very concerned with the issue of sin. That's important to remember. I'm writing this to you so you'll not sin. But if anyone does sin, if anyone does give the prosecuting attorney a right to prosecute, if anyone does end up in legal trouble in the courts of heaven, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You can know and rest assured that you have an enemy that's looking for everything wrong in your life so he can trumpet it in the courts of heaven, trumpet it before the Father, so he can limit your, your spiritual freedom, limit your power, limit your influence, limit your authority. He has to stop you or you will stop him. He is the greatest prosecuting attorney of all time. No one's better. He's why we have prosecuting attorneys. His, the idea started with him and he's coming after you. But you also have an advocate. You have a defense attorney. And some of you right now are under 
the weight of your mistakes and of your past and you have regrets and you have assaults upon you, your family. The enemy's doing what the enemy does. He destroys things. And he always goes too far, but that's for another time. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Yeah, you got an attorney that's out to get you, but you have a defense attorney that's on your side. You have a defense attorney who's for your freedom, who purchased that freedom with his own blood, and he knows that your freedom will change the world. That's why Galatians 5.1 says that it is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus talked about freedom a lot in a society, in a culture, uh, in a, govern, uh, a government situation where Jews were not free, and yet he taught that if you knew the truth, you would be free. And Paul interpreted that as to say that if you, it is for freedom that you been set free this is who's on your side this is who's fighting for you this is your eternal reality an enemy trying to crush you but the son of god fighting for you so we have to respect the conflict that's going on we have to respect the reality that our choices give the enemy opportunities but that our savior fights in our stead so, how's your freedom this morning? How's your freedom? Are you experiencing freedom? Or are you feeling bound? Do you feel like that you have authority and power in your life, in your home, in your health, at your job, to make a difference, to stop what the enemy has begun? Because if you right now are in a place you feel like I, the last thing I am is free. The last thing I am is free. I have no choices given to me. I have no opportunities before me. If that is what is going on in your heart and your mind, that is not true. That is not true. Because the situations that you face that are hurting you, destroying you, limiting you, are all situations that can be stopped. And the beginning of that stop is you moving into a place of freedom. You moving into a place where you realize that I'm more than I look like. That I'm stronger than I know. That what I have and my real power is not based in what I can do, how long I can endure, endure or the strength that I have. But in the Son of God who endured, who carried on, who stood for me. Let's bow our heads. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. There's a longing. There is a longing in our nature. In the image of God that we've been created in, there is a longing in us for freedom. There is a longing in us for freedom. That's why the world gets so frustrating in seasons like the one we're going through right now. We long to be free. And that's what I want to do this morning is I want to pray and release a spirit and a power of freedom in this room.
Father God, would you help me to to see what's on your heart and not just to lean into the things that that I might be struggling with. I pray, Lord God, right now for that family at home. I pray, God, right now for that home that does not feel like freedom. It feels like a prison. I pray, God, that you would end the work of the enemy upon that home and you would stop it and bind it in the name of Jesus. And that you would release a spirit of freedom, a freedom upon a husband to love and lay down his life for his wife. A freedom upon a wife to love and lay down her life for her husband. A freedom on those parents to love and lay down their lives for their kids. I pray that you would fill these homes, especially those who are struggling today, with freedom and with love. And I pray that you would silence the assaults of the enemy upon them and break it off in Jesus' name. Lord God, if I could take that one step further, I am so sick of the spirit of divorce in this community, and I ask you to bind him and silence him. The last two and a half years of COVID and and financial stress have just played havoc on marriages in our community. And I ask, Lord, that you would silence that dude and end his division. I pray, God, for those in leadership in this room, in this community, whether that leadership is in the workplace, whether it's businesses, whether it's it's in a place, men and women in authority in our community. I pray, God, that you would break off the spirit of bondage that forces and causes people to, to, to lose, to keep giving up and have things taken from them. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up these men and women to know that they have authority. And I pray that you would bind, break off the enemy's assault of oppression, of limiting, of less. I pray, God, that you would give great wisdom and freedom to our leaders and great creativity that they would reflect and look like their father who created the world and everything in it, and that's how they would approach their careers. I pray for these children, these students. They have the summer off, and and I'm sure they have many things going on, but, Lord, I also know the enemy loves to destroy lives as early and as young as possible. So I ask, Lord, that you not only protect them, but you grant them wisdom through the summer. That, Lord, they would begin to see their Father God and Jesus, and they would have a desire to pursue Jesus Christ. They'd have a desire to know things that are true, that are eternal, not just things they can see with their eyes and touch with their hands. I pray that you break off the enemy's attempts to destroy and bind, because I know that this generation is a generation that they are going to be handed a changed world. And I pray that they have the wisdom and the grace and the love to make that changed world an amazing place for their children. I pray, Lord God, for a spirit of freedom to be released in this place, freedom to do what's right, freedom to love, freedom to step out in strength and encourage, freedom to know that we have the ability as God's kids in this place to make real changes. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Steve.